listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. Missing missions I do work um as a crack the monotone chilling of the jazz so get your own smoking on repeat cause they try to dupe me of the best of the back but they can't do rap for us abstract original you can't get your own and that's pitiful I know I be the man if I cold ink the plug on R and B but I can't and that's bar for the taking. Make me king as we move toward a new world order. Normal life is born, but superstardom's close to postmortem. It only grows harder. Homie grows hotter. He blows it all over. These hoes all on him. Coast to coast shows. He knows <clears throat> he's known as a globetrotter. Hey, welcome to the Black Guy Test Podcast with your host Rod and Karen. And we're back for episode like 153. Yeah, so we're running now. Yeah. We getting old, son. And we have another very special guest in the long line of very special guests that we always have. Yes. Um, big fan of our show and a movie critic in his own right. Yes. So as opposed to our amateur spoiled movie reviews, he actually does professional movie reviews. Yes. You may know him on Twitter as the People's Critic with one eye. Uh, say what's up to everybody, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, I actually have two eyes on my own eyes, but uh, one eye in my, my username. <laughs> you know, that, uh, people don't think I got an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean the Twitter Cyclops. That's uh, the people Cyclops is another another person. Ooh, yeah, somebody ever yeah. take that name. <laughs> um, but uh, of course, if you listen to this, then you should already know this is the Black Galatas podcast. Find us on iTunes, Facebook, and Podomatic. All you got to do is search for the Black Out Tips. You can go to theblackouttips.com, look on the right-hand side, click on the Donate button. You can donate recurrent donations or just regular one-time donations. We love when people support the show. Uh, we love when people give us feedback, such as emailing the show. Mm-hmm. You can go to theblackouttips at gmail.com to email us. 
Uh, you can call us 704-557-0186 and leave us a voicemail. Uh, we always appreciate that. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ryder Miss Prime. I'll say that again. That is in D-A-T. And spell yours for everybody, uh, People's Critic. Uh, it's People's Critic, and that's People's C-R-T-I-C. All right, cool, man. Um, and you also have a blog, and it's a little, I'm going to put it in the show notes for people to go to because it's a little difficult in case, you know, they're not catching all this, but it's blog.seattlepi.com slash people's critic. Um, and it's what you... Yeah, don't that mean private investigator? <laughs> Post intelligence. <laughs> oh, so it's the thing that comes after intelligence. So it's even yeah, more, yeah. it's more yeah, intelligent yeah. than normal intelligence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's super intelligence. This is where all the highbrow critics go. <laughs> and you can you read fancy, his, huh? You can read his review of Screen Four, or or a single white female. Yes, which is crazy. Yes. Yeah, it came out in 1992, but he's reviewing it April 20th, 2011, for all the people that are late and don't mind a few. Spoilers, you know? Or all the people that might have been too when that came out. Yes. There is a, let me tell you, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but she's crazy. Is what I'm As saying. hell. Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> it's funny, you know, because when I, when I review these old movies, I like to look back at them, really. And there were plenty of moments where she knew this chick was crazy and she never did anything about it. Yeah, it's one of the like, reasons I can't watch scary movies because I, I don't get scared. I just get mad at white people. <laughs> yeah. I, I love horror movies. I love them. One of my favorite movies is Halloween. It always freaks my mom out to hear it too when she hears me say that. But man, I love that movie because. But it's dumb stuff like knowing the door is open and trying to go in there when you know he's, there's a ninety five percent chance the killer's in there. It's not for me. Yeah. So running upstairs. Where the hell are you gonna go? You're upstairs. You are limited in the spaces you can go, or jump out the window. But the killer is in the house. Yeah, bitch, yeah. go out the house. He in the house, go out the house. But what about Becky? She had to go back for her dog. <laughs> bitch, you you and that dog gonna die. I'm gonna leave you and the dog. Well, that's yeah. why. I, I had wrote, you know, some survival tips for scary movies, and one of them was, I'm assuming the other person is dead. Like, if we split up, <laughs> I'm just gonna assume that he got you, and I hope you meet me at the end. If not, then it was nice knowing you. But I'm not, like, looking for you. Um, if you're looking for Rod, you're essentially looking for the killer, too. And that's not something I plan on doing. Yes. Like, I'm not letting him down. Nah, because odds are they either with me or you, and if they ain't with my black ass, they probably with you. So I'm safe right now. I can't see you. <laughs> see, I want to I wanna write a movie short. Maybe I need to holler at Shadow Dog Productions. Um, and I want it to be called uh, the shortest horror film movie ever. Like, maybe we can call it, we can call it something like Black Scary Movie or Black Scream or something like that. And basically, you just start with the whole premise of, like, you know, something crazy happening out in the woods or something. Mm-hmm. And then you just have a black person, like, go over and lock their door and stay inside. Yeah, even better than that, un- 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 unless you're a certain type of black people. I know me. I don't like the woods. There's animals out there and blood. No, that's, that's what I'm saying, Karen. It's like, maybe, you know, your friends go, hey, you want to go camping down by the old camp that, uh, where the, where the 12 white women were found killed last summer, and then you just go, no, nah, I'm good, and then they go, the end. That's right. Yeah, that's, what, that's what kills me about those movies. Like, if I'm going to a small town, and somebody's telling me some story about how people were slaughtered, and they never found the killer, probably a good chance I'm going to keep rolling. Right. Like, 
Nah, next day. We'll, we'll, we'll stop the next day. I'm not stopping here. Yeah, I'm actually good. I don't think we should stop at Camp Rapamall, you know? It seems like, <laughs> seems like the wrong intersection or the wrong section of the highway to go ahead and take that rest yeah. stop. I'm not stopping by City Killamall. If that's the name of your city, you ain't got to worry about me stopping now. Yeah. So let, I, let, me ask, let me ask you this, though, Rod. Say you do make the camping trip, right? You go. How many killings have to take place before you decide you're going to leave? Exactly zero. No, I leave. <laughs> I leave when people say when people say shit like, "Hey, where's Brad?" And then and then in the background you see my my ass in the car like. <laughs> the short. I'm telling you, they they, no. they I could write twelve of no. these movies. I could write an entire series called Black Screen. We could be up to Black Screen twelve. No movie would take over five minutes to film. At all, man. No, the second y'all talking about we ain't got a fucking bathroom, I'm out. I'm not washing my ass with leaves. No, thank you. I want a real toilet that can flush. I'm not going to be out there with the animals. Oh, yeah. They be like, how did you survive? I didn't see shit. That's right. You yeah. know? <laughs> well, how'd you know everybody was going to die? Man, they white. It was the wood. People was missing. Yeah. The end. Um, don't blame me for it. Like, OJ. <laughs> Also, don't forget the official weapon of the show is... The Taser. And the unofficial sport... Bullet Ball. And Bullet Ball Extreme. Yes, sir. And uh, I want to thank everybody for sending their questions in for Shadow Doll Productions. Uh, we had so many questions. We had to cut some off. Yes. We'll definitely try to have them on again, y'all. Yeah. Well, I, and I got questions for People's Critic, man. We've we've actually... Or, or Timmy, I guess I could call him. I mean, that's what he put Timothy. on the email. Timmy. He put Timmy, not Timothy. Timmy. <laughs> I put Timothy. Only, nah. only person to call me Timmy is my sister and uh, this one boss I had. That was it. All right, so Timothy, we'll, we'll go by that. I'm trying to tell I can't you keep everything. calling you code name all day, man. That is crazy. Like, people think I got a code name because it's Rodimus Prime. My name is Rod. Yeah. If you call me Rod, that that's my real name. Like, that's funny when people have, like... So what's what's your name on Twitter? Murder killer slash thirty seven. Keep it real, trill twenty four seven. Like okay, man. What's your real name? Yes. What's your government name? Edward. Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nervil. Okay, Nervil. <laughs> Listen. But um, all right. So so Timothy, man, what's it like being a big Hollywood critic? I mean, I know you don't uh, live man. in Hollywood, but you know you you He's closer than us. Yeah, I mean, you're up there <laughs> writing for Seattle PI. With post intelligence that's past yeah. the regular smart people. Yes. So what is it like, you know, being a critic? Do you get to meet these stars face to face and tell them that their movies suck? <laughs> yeah, I wish I was big Hollywood. No, it, it, it's good. It's good. Uh, the first time I actually met somebody I would consider a star uh, was Michael Jai White when they were doing um, Black Dynamite. Uh, we have the Seattle International Film Festival the picture every year and it's one of the biggest in the country and not too many people who live here even know that but so many films come through here so many celebrities come through uh it's great um so it's, it's fun man it's good to hear i mostly like to hear about people's process like uh, i was telling you earlier i um i interviewed Jodie foster today uh for the movie the beaver and one of the craziest things she said at the end i just asked her you know what do you want people to take away from this movie? And, you know, I'm summarizing what she said, but she essentially was saying that there's stuff that I can't tell people, so I tell them through film. Wow. And it's, it's cool to hear that from somebody who's like, there's stuff that I deal with, struggles that I have in my life, that the only way to really get that out is through film. And 
you'd be surprised how many people really feel that way about the movies that they make. I mean, there are the, the, the big blockbuster movies, but there's other movies that people really want to get a message out, and I think that that's good. I love, I love hearing that. And I guess the message for the movie Beaver is that she is out of money. So the only, <laughs> the only way she could explain that is doing that shit with Mel Gibson. Because we, we saw the trailer for that, and I was like, Ooh, too soon, yeah, Mel Gibson. Too no. soon. Like you was just talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like you was just talking about killing people and getting his cock sucked. I don't know if a family film is right for you yet, Mel. No. But uh, yeah, Mel, Mel said his ways. Yeah. Hey, at least they didn't send Mel Gibson up to meet you. You know. <laughs> that would have been. They cannot send him on a press tour. <laughs> they could not. <laughs> and she even talked about that. She was like, it's so hard to market because she mentioned it as uh, hot news stories. She didn't really say Mel Gibson was saying uh, racist stuff. She just said hot news stories. But I know. I watch the news. I know what it is. Now, how was she looking, man? Was she looking all good? Or can you can you not say that because you got to be professional? She's like four foot ten. Literally, she's short. She looked she looked like like uh, Jodie Foster. But I will say. Some of these people look a lot better in person. Mm, really? Really. For, for instance, we did, uh, I interviewed Michael Sarah and, uh, um, this, what was the girl's name? Damn it, they were both in, um, Yusuf Revolt. Um, oh, Portia, du- Portia Double Day was her name. So now I've seen Yusuf Revolt, I've seen the movie, she was like a regular white girl. But when I walked in the hotel room to interview her, I was like, damn, who's this? She stood up. She was like, hi, I'm Portia. And I was, no, 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 kidding. When I left the interview, I had to Google image her to make sure that was the same girl. Damn. Like, that cannot be the girl that I just saw. She was looking fine. And I'm not, I mean, you, you, people listening will go and, and, and Google image Portia Double Day and say, you know, Kim's crazy. But trust me, when I sat across from her, I was, she looked damn good. Way better than she ever looked in that movie. Wow. So do you ever like find yourself like this chick is so fine that I'm gonna tell her that this movie is good? Like if you're sitting across from Taraj P. Henson and she's talking about the family that prays, do you just go, I think this movie's gonna be great. You looking you looking real good today, Taraj. Nah, I try to keep it professional. Um if I've never interviewed somebody that fine now would be tough. I'd have to just be focused and just stare at her eyes the whole time and not, you know. Not break eye contact, but uh, I haven't had that problem yet. But I'm sure if I ever interviewed Rosario Dawson or, or, or somebody like that, man, it would be a struggle. Because that's one thing I think that movies do on purpose is they send out these stars. They have this charisma. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're talking to, you know, these people face-to-face. And it works on regular people, too. I mean, when you watch The Daily Show or late-night TV, it's happening to you. I don't know if people know this, but, you know, maybe, maybe... Some of these stars aren't as fun and happy go lucky all the time as you think they are. Maybe Will Ferrell hits the on switch when he's talking to John Stewart, and the next thing you know, you're talking yourself into going to see Kicking and Screaming. True. <laughs> and we went to go see that. Yeah. That's crazy because you like even when you interview people, you have to be on because you have to be alert and listening, and you don't want to ask the same dumb question somebody else just asked. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. But yeah, I would definitely send out the girl with the biggest breasts and say, go promote this movie. Right, that's what I would do. Uh, I'm uh, like, hey, uh, look, look, man, titties are in the movie. Don't you want... biggest hips? Yeah, 
Well, nah, white people are in the titties, though, Karen. Oh, but if it's a black movie, though, most black men like him. Right, right, that's true, that's true. All right. Well, um, I, what I'm saying, though, uh, I just think that the charisma of a natural star, like, like how, like I said, uh, when, when you see Denzel in a movie, at this point, we're just watching Denzel in a movie. You know, watching, you know, Will Smith in uh, I Am Legend is just Will Smith in a world with nobody else, you know? Like, it never feels like we're actually watching him take on a different character than the one he played before. They're all just various states of Will Smith. So, I think that that resonates even in interviews. And even if you sat down face-to-face with a critic, I think you could kind of fool a critic into giving you a good review. Because it's like, hey, I like this guy. And I don't want this movie to suck, you know, I, so I'm, I'm rooting for the movie as I'm watching it. Now, you told us early, Timmy, uh, Timothy, that you had the same experience with uh, the movie Avatar, which uh, is Chris from the Insanity Check's favorite movie of all time. Yeah, he's his favorite movie, and uh, um, I, I wish he would have been there. Um, but they sent in the, the guy that Kim played, so good. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, but him and then the girl, his sister, they sent those two kids out. And they were so nice, and and he was in, he's also in the uh, Twilight movies. Uh, so, but they were so engaging and so funny and, and cute and laugh and talking about being on set and working with M. Night and make him sound like Jesus. And <laughs> you walk away from there thinking, wow, they, they had, you, when they talk about certain things in the movie, you know they had fun. So you watch it thinking, oh, these people have fun making this movie. And it really starts to, to, to mess with how you do the movie at times but I, I do my best to separate myself uh, from the people and to look at this movie as a separate entity like this movie is apart from how much fun we just had for the last half hour talking about it now do you grade movies on a curve when they're independent versus big budget films because we had Shadow Dog Productions you know Dexter and John on uh, we had a great show longest show ever um, and it got a lot of great feedback from that show and they were uh, one of the things they said uh, I think John said he feels like even when they're competing with quote unquote big budget independent films, you know, such as like The Town or something like that. I'm not, not that that's necessarily fits the definition, but you know what I mean. Like when they compete with something not from the big six studios, but say it's produced or directed by Ben Affleck yeah. or, or, or Ben Affleck or somebody like that, is that a fair competition because he's going up against a couple of guys? who have basically, you know, invested everything they can into just getting this one film off the ground. And if this shit doesn't make it, then what the fuck are they going to do? Is it fair to compare those two films? And he was saying that critics sometimes root for the little guy and it'll kind of help him out as opposed to just, you know, the quality of a big budget film just smashing all the independent film festivals and things like that. Uh, So as a critic, do you ever find yourself rooting for the little guy or giving them a break when you're like, I know you didn't have a $20 million budget. Like, I'm always going to be a sucker for, for people who work hard in the film. Like, you can watch an independent film and tell they didn't have all these resources but were still able to tell a very good story. Uh, one of the first movies someone ever contacted me about reviewing um, was this movie called The Last International Playboy. And it's a real small independent film. But it was really just about this guy who wrote a book about this chick and he became famous. But within his fame, as you know, he's sleeping with a bunch of chicks and, and living his playboy life. But then he came back around, he wanted to marry this girl, and she really 
didn't want anything to do with him. She was getting married and had her own relationship. This is an awesome story. Um, and it was just well done. And you, part of what makes it well done is knowing that there were no huge stars in it. You know what I'm saying? There was no blowing up cars or gunfights. And they were still able to, to tell, you know, a really good tale. And it's part of that, you really want to see movies like that do well. You, you're praying that people watch it. Like, I'm praying that people watch Super. I know they probably won't. Um, but I'm hoping people watch it and they like it, you know, because I got, I got the great opportunity to meet the director, James Gunn and, and uh, Rain Wilson. And one of the things the director said was he could have, he said he hated doing these big budget movies because he felt like they could just pop a director in there and he wanted to do something from the heart. And that's what he came up with Super. And he wrote it, you know, years before Kick-Ass even came out. Um, but for him, that was his project, and that was his heart, and that's what he wanted to make. Um, he loves seeing movies like that do well. At the same time, you know, not to shock you guys, but Hollywood really own only concern with making money. Um, <laughs> that's true. If they can make what? money, money yeah. for real. Money. Uh, but what they do is <laughs> they uh, they'll try to buy up a bunch of small movies at these film festivals and and sell them because they, they figure instead of throwing. $200 million into the next Iron Man film what if I buy 10 smaller films and hope one of those became the next up in the air or the next Juno you know what I mean they're trying to find that lightning in a bottle with another small movie so wow. it's great it's great it, 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 it's giving filmmakers you know like like Shadow Dog Production even with technology and iTunes it gives them opportunities to have a platform to show their films and Sometimes all you need is a person to see it. You know what I mean? And say, you know, I interviewed these kids last year who were making this movie, and it, it all came about from them having this small web series and having it on iTunes, and all of a sudden, boom, they got funding to make this movie. So it happens. It happens a lot. I have uh, two questions. My first uh, question for you is the disconnect. Because me and Roger have went to go see movies, and we have loved them and have enjoyed them. But the people that uh, review the movies say these movies are shitty. And a lot of times, people who their target audience is older white males or either family oriented. So why do you even, why do that? I don't understand the purpose of them going and reviewing movies that they're going to automatically shoot down because a twelve year old can't go see it. You know, I think. There, there's always going to be that disconnect, you know, whether it be culture or class or race or whatever. But, um, like, I'm going to see Fast Five next week, and I know what it, I know it's probably going to suck. But I know that going in, it's probably going to be Cars, Girls, and a terrible storyline. But I'm going because it's, it's going to be a fun movie to watch with my friends. I'm not going uh, expecting to see The English Patient. Oh yeah, see some other movie. And The Rock's uh, going to be in it. <laughs> and The Rock is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think critics know, I think they know that, but, you know, like Rod was saying earlier, they just get used to seeing the same movies. Yeah. And a lot of times they start to look like the same movie. Like, cause you guys watch a lot of movies too. Mm-hmm. You can look at a movie trailer and say, I know exactly how this movie's going to end. Yes, and I, I, I personally consider that bad editing for the movie trailer. Like me personally, and and sometimes, um, and how do you feel about this? Sometimes I wish that the people who did the movie trailers 
were also involved with the movies because sometimes I think uh, it's separate and they they do plot spoilers, they do twists, like they was like we're gonna put the most action packed shit in there and you ruin the movie for a movie goer. Yeah, a lot of them sound the same. You know what I mean? There's a guy. He's from the West. And you're like, oh, another voiceover <laughs> with a, about a dude with a gun? Um, uh, one of the things that uh, when I got a chance to, to, to talk to the director of, of Black Dynamite, he was saying when they did the, the trailer, the music on it, he said, I wanted the trailer to sound like nothing else that was out there so it would catch people's attention. And they ran it with Zombieland in front of Zombieland, so all the other Zombieland trailers literally sounded the same. And then comes the Black Dynamite trailer, and there was this funky music. It was cut like an old 70s movie, uh, and it, it caught people's attention. Now, I, part of us, you know, we all know we, we hope that people are crazy enough and want to think outside the box. Sometimes it gets cut in that, you know, we need to tell people what the movie is, show them some explosions, show somebody's boobs all smashed up on the screen, and then hopefully they'll come see it. Now, how do you watch most of your movies? Do you watch them by yourself? Do you go to the theater? Um, with, do you watch them with critics? Because I think the watch, the viewing experience is the key to a lot of, uh, a lot of movies that I've loved in my life has been because I watched it with a great audience. You know, uh, Karen said a, a while back the greatest, uh, one of the better examples of that in the last couple of years was Machete. Yeah. Um, we watched that with a crowd that just got it. They laughed yeah. at all the appropriate jokes. Yeah. They laughed at all the, uh, gaps that they left in and things like that. Um, and they just seem to get that, hey, this is a, a parody or an homage to the B-movie exploitation film, but with a Mexican twist. And mm. we walked out of there and we were in tears because we laughed so hard. Yes, and it, and it made, a, made it a funner experience. And I know a lot of times most movie critics watch with other movie critics. And not to say movie critics don't have a sense of humor, but like you were saying, y'all watch so many movies. Do y'all become desensitized to what an audience person who this might be the five movies they go see out the year their perspective is going to be totally different yeah you know it's funny because earlier today i was talking to somebody and i was telling them one of the best movie experiences i've had of 2011 uh was going to see machete and that was going with my friends uh me and my homeboy we went and he was wanting to see this movie he said with a full of people and everybody cheered, and everyone laughed, and no one walked out of there like, that's a bad movie. What we think about it, it, it as far as cinematography goes, it wasn't the best movie. Um, but it did what I think most movies set out to do, which is hit whatever base they're trying to hit, and hit that hard, and get them to like it. So they'll go out and they'll tell other people, I know you like this kind of stuff, you probably like Machete, and then you'll go see it, and then hopefully you'll buy it. Um, but a lot of times it depends. Sometimes I have screenings in the middle of the day, and that's just me and 10 other critics. I'm going to go, like, 18 was like that. Screen 4 was like that. We were in the theater. Uh, some other times it'll be in the evening, like, right after work, I'll just go. And it'll be, we'll have, like, our little critic section where there's people from the radio, from uh, TV, people from other papers. And it'll be... You know, audiences, other people will file in. And I'm sure you guys get those where it'll, it'll be like a screening for a movie. You'll have a ticket and you'll go in. Um, so we'll have that. And other times I'll, they'll send me DVDs and I'll just watch them at home. Now, do you ever, um, like, have you ever walked out of a movie it was so bad? Because since it's your job, like, can you do that? You know, can you? Or no. So you, <laughs> you have to sit through, uh, like, Chun Lee, Legend of Chun Lee Street Fighter. You have to sit through that. Oh, we watched that movie. Oh. But- 
But it was hilarious. Skyline. Oh, we didn't go see that neither. Set through Skyline. It was. This guy left the theater cursing on the phone. <laughs> man. That's bleeding shit. And I was like, yo. <laughs> Chill, man. It's just a movie. But yeah, I was upset watching that movie. I had, the whole theater was like, oh my god. And you used to work in a theater too, right? Yeah, I worked in theater for about a year and a half. Um, and that's when, I, that's when I got a real appreciation for film, was working there. And I, you know, I can only watch all the good movies so much. And I had to start seeing other movies. Um, and I just sort of fell in love with watching film and, and, and especially documentaries. Like, I got, really into watching a lot of those and there's a ton of film festivals here I started attending those film festivals and it sort of took on a life of its own and I began I sort of became that guy who watches a ton of movies to people at work and at school and ask questions about so yeah this my, one of my co-workers saw me at the movies one time uh with Karen and she forgot to speak to me and then she saw me at, at work and she was, uh, you know, very, overly nice to me and very apologetic. And I was like, it's no big deal. You know, it could happen to anybody. But now, every time I see her, she asks me, have I seen a movie? Like, you seen anything lately? And I'm like, we only saw each yeah. other at the theater one time. And one of my coworkers is like that. And But me and him talk about a lot of different movies. And I gave him suggestions on movies we had as kids. So I tell him about that. You know, I'm not as professional as Timothy over there. But I have <laughs> watched my fair share of movies. Yeah, well, it's a little different because she only, I don't talk to people at work. She's only seen us at the theater one time. So it's just funny that I'm the movie guy. But. Yes, and I am too. I also have another question. Do you think that the internet has made a difference in the way uh, people that do um, critique movies has changed versus like the old school newspaper? Yeah, I think the, inter- the information travels much faster. Um and I think that's true for anything, but uh, especially with movies. Like, if I walk out of a movie and I tweet, this movie sucks. Um, everyone, everyone followed me through that and saw me tweet that. And we know we all know how Twitter works, and same for Facebook. Um, so it's, I, mean, I think the only issue is you have so much stuff. And I know you guys have talked about this on your show before. Like, some people are just in a rush to be the first and not like something. Yeah. Factor that in, if someone wants to be like, oh, I hated Inception. I want to be the first one to go home and write how Inception could be better. When the majority of people love Inception, mm-hmm. um, so you have you, you run through that, and you run through people um, just writing stories that are crap or writing stuff that they don't believe, uh, just to have a story or have an angle. And I, I think that's crap. I would never do anything like that. But it's, it's out there because it's the internet, so people still have to have a voice. Yeah, it's negative and bitter in general. Yes, it, it really is. And I know me personally, I like Roger Cray. I'd probably be a terrible movie critic because I like bad movies too. I like good movies, but I like bad movies. They're so bad, they're good, if that makes sense. Oh, I'm with you. I love bad movies. My dad is probably one of my main influences in life, and he loves the sci-fi channel. So I watch a ton of crap on sci-fi that I know is terrible. Like, I watched the whole Sharkopus movie. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> now, do you ever feel pressure to watch everything because you know that as a critic, you're being constantly judged by regular people? Like, you ain't seen such and such, you know? Like, oh, I, I, like, if, if you've never seen, like, Bull Durham, where, like, and somebody just like, oh, my God, how can you be a film critic and not see Bull Durham? Do you feel immediate pressure? Like, oh, shit, I got to go watch that now. 
Yeah, there's definitely that. And especially like around Oscar time because everyone expects you to see all the Oscar nominated films. Did you see the Skip King speech yet? Did you see Winter's Bone? Did you see any like, damn, I didn't know I didn't have a life after work, got friends. <laughs> yeah. But they expect you to just live in the theater and just camp out and watch movies all day because I have that much disposable income and that much time on my hands. But uh, <laughs> you don't. You know I mean, you don't. And so I try to see movies that I feel like, like I, I definitely want to see stuff that I want to see. Even like Karen said, I love bad movies too. So I'll see movies that I know are terrible just because I, I like them. Yeah. Um, but I try to see as much as I can um, and and hopefully be able to, to answer people's random movie questions at random times. Cause I swear to you, people will text me from like a video store or while they're on Netflix and ask me what I think about this movie. That happens three or four times a week. Oh, I know that got to be frustrating. And I know for... For me, like I said, because we watch so many bad movies, and I think Netflix is like the best thing to slice bread in my world, um, because I can, I'm introduced to a lot of movies that I otherwise wouldn't be introduced to, and maybe it's just me, but a lot of the movies that are up for Oscar nominations, I probably would never see most of them shits, and the movies I think is the greatest aren't even ever up for nomination. Yeah, I, I like I tire of the Oscars sometimes because it's just fucking boring. And yeah, like, like the thing with the thing is, critics see so many movies, they just want to see something different, and it becomes overrated a lot of times because it's the different movie, and it's like they don't really pay credence to the fact that maybe somebody did a movie a better way. So, you know, a, a movie like uh, Scott Pilgrim or a movie like um, uh, Kick Ass kind of gets a boost because people didn't go see it and it was different for, for for them but then like a movie like say Transformers or Transformers 2 catches a lot of shit because they're like man we've seen Michael Bay blow shit up you know but so it's it cool and yeah. only 10 of y'all seen that shit nobody else seen it 10 of y'all seen what? You know when they be like the, the movie of the year? 10 people seen that. Oh, right, right, right. Like okay. 10 what, people. Well, that's what I'm saying. It gets a little overhyped because I think deep down they know a lot of people aren't going to see the King's speech. No. Unless, unless they start pumping up like, hey, it's going to get an Oscar. And I wouldn't go watch it. Well, you didn't care, but a lot of people will go see it because of that. The majority of people aren't like us. They don't want to go see movies constantly. They don't want to spend a day oh, okay. at the movie so they're gonna see a couple of movies a year and if you can convince them that this one is Oscar worthy they really want to go see it like I think The Hurt Locker is a very overrated movie I think uh Grand Torino is a very overrated movie I'm not saying these movies are shit yeah. but when but when I saw them it was kind of like okay like uh, you're you're giving it this Oscar nod and that's kind of why I saw it but I, I remember watching the trailer and going nah not, yeah. not for me and, and, also, and I guess because me and Roger see so many movies, uh, Timothy, have you ever seen a movie and instant was like, I know this is going to be some shit, but I got to go see it anyway? The Source is one of those movies, and, I, and, and it connects to what I was just about to say, too, because, um, you know, it, it, there's so many politics involved in movies, just like in music and, and other sports. Um, the big issue they had this year was the Golden Globes, and the tourists got nominated for best like comedy movie or something insane and everybody knows it was a shit movie and they're saying that they nominated them so Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp could show up at the Golden Globes and hopefully get more ratings um 
which is which is BS. Like, why would you? Yeah. Like, we all know the movie sucks. Like, everyone knows that. I didn't what, go what see is it. Yeah, don't, don't, please, don't waste your time saying um, it. It's not even like one of those bad movies that's still good. It's just bad. You know, there's nothing really good about it. Um, but that happens a lot where you, you end up having to see a movie that you know sucks. Um, and you watch all the politics around it. Uh, but for most of the most of the Oscar stuff, I watch the performances. Uh, did you guys see 127 Hours? Nope, no, never even heard of it. No, I've heard of it. I don't know why Karen hasn't heard of it, but like, yeah, that's one of the movies that it came out and it got a decent reception from just regular ass people. But that Oscar push was so hard, like it was hard. It was ridiculous. Like you couldn't go anywhere without just hearing about that movie. He's got, Franco's gonna win an Oscar, and you know they were running this whole like he's a man, a Renaissance man of the like this is the fucking campaign was ridiculous to make you just go. I have to see it. It was over it was the like top. It was like a campaign. It, it was. was like a presidential campaign because I have two Arizona weeklies with, with James Franco on the cover. What? They came out like a month apart, and these guys on the cover. But I had a hilarious conversation this week about there's a scene that you know he gets his arms stuck in a rock, right? There's a scene where he considers jacking off. And one of my coworkers said, what if he did, and then they found him like that? He died. Like, he's dehydrated from jacking off, and they find him dead. <laughs> she, was, she was like, she was like, what do you, you tell his family? I was, you know, I don't know. And so, you know, the guy asked, but what if he escaped? Say so he gives he can get out, right, with the one hand. Does he get a flashlight on that hand that's missing now? <laughs> oh, he's not, I mean, he goes. it's funny. What, what, if like, that, what if that was his jack-off hand? Right, and the thing is, if they, if they if they did find him there and say they came and rescued him and, uh, you know, got him from under that boulder, they're going to be like, what is this sperm stain doing on this rock? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was there when I got here. <laughs> what, uh, don't you see a knee? What a bitch? Yeah, cut my arm off. <laughs> Give it yeah, out the mouth. She said, how could he jack off? I said, she's alone? Yeah. Bored? Trapped in the rock? And I just said, but what if that's not his hand? And that's like making right. out with a stranger. And the other, do that. the other thing, too, is like, <laughs> if he did, you know, come all over a rock and you're stuck there for that long, like, at what point do you consider eating it? Oh, See? Yeah. Oh, you gotta live. Oh, you gotta survive, Karen. This is about survival. <laughs> it's a wrap for me at that point. Well, speaking of... Wrap was when my arm got stuck. Well, of, you know black folks. He had hot sauce in his back, back pocket anyway. He was white. He was white. <laughs> speaking was of... White. Uh, speaking of... Um, speaking of homophobia. Mm-hmm. Lil B's coming out with an album. It's called I'm Gay. Yes, it is. And my response to I'm Gay is I'm straight. Mm-hmm. I'm good, homie. I don't want to listen to this shit. I, I don't understand. I saw an interview where he was talking about how he was about to revolutionize the game and mm-hmm. his album was going to change people's lives. And, mm-hmm. You know, it felt kind of like one of those people on an infomercial that's selling you something or somebody tell, selling you a timeshare that just can't tell you the details. Do you think Glad got sad when they realized that he was supporting them? I was like, damn it. Why can't somebody else come out? And he can't open up his mouth. Why would you want him to represent you? Yeah, and I, the thing is, he's not claiming to be gay. And even if he was, I would still, I would honestly believe that he's just trying to do it to promote. Like he's a he's a attention whore. That's he's a guy yeah. who just he knows the biggest gift that he has is to stay in the limelight. Yeah. Even though he's talentless, 
even though he doesn't have a lot of money, he found a he found a way to stay famous. He is terrible. Does he got money? Um, not that I know of. I mean, he's from. Yeah, well, I was gonna ask you, where he get money from? Like, where? What you kind of thing other than these mixtapes? I'm assuming YouTube video yeah, hits. because they pay you now. But, I mean, he was actually um, performing at, at, like, major concerts and shit. So, and, and with, with artists that, you know, I used to respect when I actually believed in that. <laughs> you know, now I don't. Like, this shit is so bad, it put me off from respecting artists. Oh, well, I don't, I don't respect. Yeah, it's that yeah. bad. Like, these dudes that I respect coming out and supporting this guy. It made me realize how stupid I was to ever have believed that music was any shape, way, or form for you. Here's my take. Like, I feel like people, not why Twitter and, and people tweet stuff like, man, go support Chris Brown's fame album. I think they're supporting because they're supporting the industry more so than supporting that person. They try to trick us into buying this album. Because I don't feel like they, like, you, you can't believe it'll be as good. Yeah, I agree. But the thing is, like, I used to believe before Twitter and before social media got to these rappers, which is one of the worst things that ever happened to them. But I used, I, I used to believe that these guys had some type of integrity, at least the ones who rapped about integrity constantly. So, you know, when I catch a guy like uh, Big Pooh or, 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 or Fonte or Talib Kweli, who's constantly talking about how the game's all fucked up and whack rappers out here perpetrating and shit like that, and then you see him go, hey, I want to do a track with Lil B. I just go, okay, fuck you. <laughs> that, was, that was my bad. I can't believe I was looking at you like you were on some type of integrity kick. Like, you're, you're just a dude trying to get YouTube hit, too. Yes, sir. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, man, because I lose respect for people like that, because I'm like you, man. Like, I love Fonte and Quali and, and, and Big Poo and it, it's like seeing my favorite actor just do a film with Nick Cage, like, <laughs> all, of, all of a sudden, Don Cheadle and Nick Cage is a sidekick. I'm like, what, Cheadle, man, what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> yeah, I can do good movies. I got the same feeling of listening to Gene Gray with Fonte over Knife Wonder Beat with Little B on it that I got from watching Righteous Kill when I watched De Niro and Pacino <laughs> wow. be in a movie with 56. Oh, that's exactly. Yeah, that's and the same thing. And we know 56 can act. Right, but that's the same thing. They were like, but he's hot right now. Fuck you. Yeah. And, and it looks like, look like a check. <laughs> Here, here's a check. It's just, just, don't worry about it. Yeah, they was like, sign this check out the cash, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, I, speaking of movies, I think they should make a new movie based on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. It's been, like, out for 20 years. Yes. Since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I think it's time to go back and revisit them and see what they're doing now and call it middle-aged Mutant Ninja Turtles and we can have it about, you know, their midlife crisis, uh, you know, divorce, um, yeah, how do they handle kids now, let's, let's see what they're like now that they're not just fighting Shredder but they're just growing up, going to work every day like normal human beings. Do you think Shredder would harass them like the IRS? No, I think Shredder, well, hopefully Shredder's dead by now, because he oh, was okay. older than them. Him and... Yeah, it was old. Him and the rat. They him both should be dead. Yeah, Splinter would probably be dead, too. Okay. So, I was just I like... I see them trying to take child support down to the courthouse. They're struggling. Yeah, Michelangelo looks like the kind of dude that would have a lot of babies. Yeah. And a lot of baby mamas. Yes, because he was the pizza delivery man, and he was delivering more than just pizza. Yeah. Hey. Let, me ask, let, me, let me ask y'all this. Which one of them would end up being on one of your stories? 
with the sword killing. Which one of them will show up? Well, obviously that's Leonardo. He's the only one with swords. Yeah. You know, trick question there, but come on. <laughs> um, so I was I was going through the, uh, but could you just picture them like driving down the street in a convertible red sports car, looking at younger teenage mutant female turtles, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get with them, kind of slightly balding, maybe that headband's kind of falling off a little bit. Yeah, got the beard belly going on. Yeah, you got a little gut hanging over your, uh, your, your sight, thighs. Yeah, sight not as good. Right. I would like to see it. Yeah, not as good in the bed. You know, you ain't smoking hot no more. Well, yeah, I'm sure they got total total Viagra. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they got have oh, God. Yeah, something something to keep them going. Yeah, I just yeah. wonder what happened. That's all. Um, yeah, who want to mess with that? You would have to wax their shell. I mean, oh come on, man, mm-hmm. that'd be too much. Um, so I I was at Wendy's the other day and um. I was going through the drive-thru, and the, the lady working the register in the back was a, a little person, a midget, if you will. Mm-hmm. And she could barely hand me my change. Wow. Yes. And they, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yes. It, it wow. took me a second to register because, like, you know, she had those short little midget hands mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's like she reached her, like, stubby hands out there. And I took my change back, and then it hit me like, oh, wait, wait a minute. That is a little person. And, and my thing is this. Uh, don't you need a step ladder? I use a step ladder. I was assuming she was using a step ladder. I really don't know how else she could have reached over the counter or anything. But then the next question I had was, like, I, I don't, it, this is all happening in about five seconds, this thought process. But I was like, so why do they have her working the drive-through? Like, yeah, you need arms that can reach further than the window. That's right. You know, I'm damn near leaning out my car to get my change. I could imagine the complaints, man. Yeah, so I was thinking, like, they should put her on something else. And then the next thought I had, like I said, all in about five seconds was, what else can a midget do in a fast food restaurant? Wipe the tables. They're shorter yeah. than the tables. Oh, I didn't think about that. They can't run registers. No, they can't do register. You can't, because the people who work register actually have to move around and shit. You have to go to the back, pick up a burger, put this in the bag. Yeah. Right? There's too much tall shit up front. And then I thought, fries. But there cannot be anything more dangerous than little arms and hot grease. That's true. That's true. You look over there and find fried midgets everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy, man. They can spin that fryer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could not think of a, anything that she could do. Maybe manager if she didn't do anything. Like, she just only talked to people. And I, was, I felt sad, man. I felt sad. It was the saddest spicy chicken Caesar salad that I've ever had in my life. They could, they could work at the McDonald's Playland and just go in there and clean. Oh, and creep the kids out? I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure Mommy, Chris Hansen would be okay with that. Yeah, the little kids. The little kids down there. Oh, and them little oh, kids, okay. Uh, would mess around and think that uh, she was their age, and you know, going to play and rough her up. Yeah, she was as tall as they are. I'm just, I don't know. That seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, man. see my niece football tackling her right now. That would not go down well. So I was thinking also about, uh, you know, how every black man has a story about being harassed by the police. Yeah. Uh, see, I don't know. Do you have one, Timothy? Man, I got several. The worst one after I graduated high school. Was going to my homeboy's house, and I, thankfully my parents prepared me properly for this. Um, and I seen a cop car. And I knew he was gonna like. I was walking. I was like, he's going to stop me. Don't know why I felt that. I just it came over me. It was like black spidey sense, and uh, he was with his car around. and was like, sir, sir. So I walk over there. 
put my hands on the hood. Yes, officer, I can help you. Um, start searching me and some BS about somebody stole the car. And I was walking, mind you. Um, he just kept me on the hood for like a half hour and then just let me go. Wow. Wow. Was it like the was it a black cop like like the one from uh, Boys in the Hood? Nah. If I had to give him a uh, ethnicity, he'd be racist white. Wow. Wow. Yeah, like that. So, like, my, my thought was, what do white people think when they hear these stories? Do they hear these stories in their head the same way that I hear ghost stories in my head? Like, when I, when someone starts telling me about, like, in this one time, she looked out the car and the hook was on the door or something like that. You look like bullshit. Right. Like, my head is all, like, it's not bullshit. I, like, my my mind is more like... That would be crazy in theory if that could possibly happen to me. But that why wouldn't. are you still alive to tell me this story? Right. Well, these, I mean, not that they're saying the ghost story happened to them, but okay, you know, like oh, there was this one where this girl oh, like died. Side story. Yeah. Okay. Like she died in a car accident. She's walking down the street, and if you ride that street at midnight, sometimes you'll see her. You know, and like then I see I'm a hit her ass. Right. Well, yeah. So like in that case. I, I'm always thinking like, okay, yeah, that's a ghost story, but, you know, that's cool, but obviously, I'm never going to see that shit. I wonder if white people, <laughs> like, white people think of our police stories where we're like, listen, you're black, you're a man, this shit will happen to you. That, that, I don't yeah. know any that it hadn't happened to. And I wonder if they just go, yeah, but that's not going to happen to me. Come on, be for real. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and I think it's, that's never going to happen to me syndrome is why uh, a lot of times when you talk to people in different races about racism, they go, well, I'm not racist, and I've never seen a Negro get beat in my front of my <laughs> eye. <laughs> that don't mean the shit don't happen. Just because you never yeah. witnessed it. Right. Um, yeah, I had a racial, racial training class once, and my old supervisor, what she explained it is, it's this assumption that we were all part of the same big lie. She's not saying that people believe we're lying, but... It's sort of this mass hysteria about uh, racial profiling and prejudice. Like, I always tell my white friends, if someone comes to you and says something racist happens to them, just believe them. Believe them until you hear otherwise. The moment you say, yeah, it probably didn't happen. Or maybe the cop wasn't holding you because you were black. Like, trust me, the, pe- the person that happens to you knows. Yeah, and the worst feeling is when you tell somebody that something fucked up happened to you and then they start defending what the other person was doing. You're like, well, yeah. maybe he thought you had crack on you. You're like, well, what the fuck they got to do with anything? I did. <laughs> exactly. You know me. I did not have crack on me. You got my back or not, motherfucker? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I it's think, true. And I think the thing that, that makes it uh, even worse is that, I guess, in just a black culture, like you said, your parents prepare you. I, uh, if a, a good black parent will prepare their children especially their male children. Like, I've heard some of my male friends say their parents tell them not to wear sneakers in, in convenience stores. They tell them, like, not to wear baggy pants. They tell them whenever you see officers, say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. Like, and, and when you tell people this, they go, well, that's some bullshit. I don't have the luxury of cussing the cop out because he pulled me over. I'm yeah. afraid my ass is going to get whooped. Like, as far as I'm concerned, sir is short for officer. Yes. yes. Like, I'm, yes, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, like, fuck yes. that, man. Um, yes. So I was, I was driving to work, and I saw a billboard, and the advertisement on the billboard was telling kids, hey, you know, go outside and play in the woods. And Go outside? 
Yeah, go outside and play in the woods. Uh, and as part of the, you know, go outside and play in the woods on the billboard, they had like a cartoon of a little kid stepping into the woods, and there was Shrek, Shrek the, from the movies, was in the woods, and he was like hanging out with the kid. Oh, <laughs> that's just a pedophile. Exactly. Review. I mean, what? and the, and the thing, ass man. And the and the tagline was, "You never know what you might find in the woods. You sure don't." <laughs> and I kept thinking to myself, like, "You are setting those kids up for failure." Yes, you are. And on top of that, uh, do the kids really know what's in the woods? It's a lot of shit in the woods, like animals. Yes, like I'm pretty sure that like if a kid believes that. He's gonna run up on a bear or some shit, you know, like, Hell, yeah. hey, Mr. Bear, just like the billboard said, and then the next thing you know, he's missing. <laughs> yes, yes. Like yes, it is a snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at the very least, you're setting them up for a huge disappointment. I've been yeah. in the woods. There's no stretch there. I've been in the woods, too, and when I was in the woods, I wanted to get my ass out as quick as possible. I hate the fucking woods. They suck. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, so, I, like, uh... <laughs> I got into a little Twitter beef the other day, and I'm not going into the details of it, but one of the last things that person said to me was, do you? And I was thinking, like, do you have to be the go-to insult of stupid people? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the fuck else can I do? I've been doing this for 32 years. I really don't. Can I do someone else? Is there another choice of doing that I can be doing other than me? I mean, will I not exist in this plane of existence after this argument if I... Like, did you think your words affected me enough to make me do something different than myself? And when people say, do you, is that that nice, politically correct way of saying, go fuck yourself? It's clearly that passive aggressive, go fuck yourself. It's it's the only thing it can mean. I was going to say that. (laughs) It's it's the only thing it can mean, right? I'm a fool. It's clearly like, it's really dismissive and very passive at the same time. Right. I know I'm talking about this, and I can't really get myself to even say why, but just go ahead. Just do you. Just, just yeah. Do like, I'm a, oh, you know what? I was going to be doing Michael Jordan, but now <laughs> you say that, I think I'm going to stick to myself. Yes. Yes. I was going to do my wife in about 15 minutes, but you know what? I think I'll go ahead and give myself a hand job. Cause yeah, I, I really, sometimes I really do wish I was the guy that the people who don't like me think that I am, you know? Cause that guy, that guy is very, no, not just that, but they, that guy is very successful in their mind. Yes. Like that guy is living high on the hogs off his podcast and just driving around in his limo and hanging out with Bomani Jones every day. You know, like, I don't know. Sasha, no. I don't know who the fuck these people think I am. I go to work. We traveling out around the world. I wish we could. I always imagine you with a crown and a big chair and a ring and people kiss it and just sprinkle something down to the peons. Here, be on my podcast. Like, I go to, like, I go to work and, 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 like, somebody, like, crosses me and I just go, you're gonna be on my show, son of a bitch. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Gonna ruin your life. No one crosses thought leader Rodimus Prime. That's right. Ten star Prime. You know, you know I, I've seen a few, of your, a few of your Twitter beats, and I'm, I'm amazed that people don't understand your sarcasm. Amazed. It, man, the worst is the people that have been following me for a long time. Yeah. They seem to get along with me, and then just at some point they just tap out. Like, fuck it, I don't get it. And it's like, what? Well, this is kind of what I've been doing. 
Yes, it was funny yeah. as long as you didn't think it was directed towards you. Yeah, it's like that Jay-Z song, Never Change. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me of that, that kid you would tease at school and just get mad and want to fight. Like, whoa, we were all joking. And right. I made a joke about your mom and all, now, now it's just with us in the schoolyard. Okay. Yeah, it was cool to talk about my mama. I was supposed to take that. But then the second we talk about your mama, now we got to fight. Like, that, that's the kind of shit that I don't understand, man. But, you know, I did grow up in a neighborhood where we actually did uh, argue a lot and joke a lot and debate a lot. And it was all jokes as long as nobody threw a punch. So, true. you know, my family yeah, but, had three men. Are your, are your friend groups like that, too? Because I know my yeah. friends are like that. My friends are, are pretty fucking hilarious. Yes, they are. So I don't, you know, I, just, I don't associate with serious people that, that, that can't take a joke. No. I don't mind talking about something seriously, but we just can't be taking shit too serious or else we can't kick it. Yes, and the, and the funny part about Roger's buddy, especially a lot of his white friends, it's almost like when I come around, until they get used to me, it's like they change their comments and they they, they want to be you know politically correct and all that type stuff and then after a while they were like you know what Karen you cool you can take a joke I was like yeah I'm not gonna come here and bite your head off cause I got titties right oh yeah yeah that's big for me if I'm dating a girl like I want she has to get along with my friends cause my friends are very sarcastic they're hilarious and they're fun to be around but if you can't handle the humor in it it's not gonna work and I appreciate funny women. Like, to me, there's nothing more attractive than a funny woman. Um, yeah, like, exactly. I, it, like, honestly, man, there's chicks that, uh, you know, and, and it's all in my mind. I don't know these people. But, like, say a chick like, say, Beyonce, who is, you know, one of the most beautiful women on the planet. She seems like she kind of has a stick up her ass. Like, she seems like she takes shit very, very fucking serious. She's always, right. you know, concerned about her image. She's always worried about the next business move and things like that. And that's cool. There's a certain segment of guys that, you know, will fall head over heels for that kind of shit. But that shit doesn't move me at all. And I'm not saying it because I'm intimidated by it. I just literally just am not attracted to that type of personality. If a woman can't take a joke or can't make me laugh or something, then I really don't want anything to do with it, period. Like, the, the things that, that, that actually draw me to people is them being funny. True. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing like... A woman who's hilarious and has a great sense of humor. I got a friend, Maya, and I mean, she's very pretty, but I think what makes her more attractive is she has this hilarious sense of humor. Like, she can joke about anything. And I think women miss that a lot of times. Like, a dude could care less what kind of shoes you're wearing, but if you're funny, if you're funny as shit, then he'll remember you and he'll go like that about you. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not even trying to intimate, like, well, that's why these women are by themselves and shit like that. I mean, you could be hilarious and still. Now I have a man. I'm not. I'm just saying for me, the thing that draws me, like if you look at my Twitter timeline, you see who I'm following. For the most part, I, if I'm following a chick, it's because she's funny. If if you look yeah. at a lot of dudes' timelines, the reason they're following chicks because she had her titties out. You know. Yeah. It really, you know, it varies by person. But for me, man, it's I love funny women, man. Period, dude. And this, yeah. it is so hard in um our in our culture and our society for women to really be funny man like yeah without being criticized yeah it's hard for like tina fey to be as funny as she is and to write as funny as she is because there's always a double standard it's like we want to measure them by puritan standards you know right you don't want you making too many sex jokes we don't even really want you to have a sex drive you know we don't want you uh talking about uh abortion we don't want you talking about uh you know, mean jokes. Like, if, if, if you're talking about a retarded person, 
Well, you gotta take that joke back. Whereas, you know, some other male comedian, that's fine. He can be trash. So I understand how hard it is for women to be funny, man. And I, like, I appreciate the shit out of, uh, funny women in general, man. Yeah, and, and, and it's, and it's sad, though, uh, because there are a lot of hilarious women out there. But a lot of them you will never hear because when you ask most people their most funniest comedians, a lot of times in the top five or ten or fifteen, a lot of times women are not even in them. Yeah, it's, I mean it's very hard. Why do you think it's hard for, for them to be successful? Because we know there's funny women out there. So what is it? Do you feel, feel like is a barrier for women, especially stand-up comedians, to still be funny and be consistently funny and get people to laugh along with them? Well, I think for one, it's uh just it's just that people have a perception of women as a whole in our culture and they don't like it when they step out of that box. It's the same thing where you'll watch a game and if you're on Twitter and you're watching a basketball game and they tell you like uh, a woman is going to be announcing, some guys will give you the extra critical review of the woman's announcing that is beyond the pale and you know it simply because she's a woman. And they don't... They don't she, does it, she does the game. Yeah, they just don't feel comfortable with a woman in their sphere making them feel anything, you know? So, she can't say, uh, you know, this is a, a, a Stephanie Reddy, who's one of the local, used to be one of the local announcers for the podcast. She can't say the same thing that Dale Curry says because dudes can't wait to disrespect her, even though she's a female who coached male players in college, you know? And in, uh, yeah. I think in the CBA or, or in the, uh, W, or in the MBDL. And people don't want to hear that shit because it's like men are insecure and they're threatened very easily. A lot of men are very, very insecure. They might hide it behind, you know, rage, emotions and shit like that. But for in general, their men are, men are intimidated by women who are funnier than them. Yeah. They're intimidated yeah. by women who make them laugh and they specifically don't like when women, like I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, uh, like, uh, um, Bossy Iggy on uh, Blacking It Up. Mm-hmm. Like she makes a lot of jokes on the low that don't get received even by her co-host sometimes, sometimes by the audience. Mm-hmm. As funny because they're still kind of taking her serious because it's like women are supposed to be this way. And it's like, but that joke's fucking, I'm, I'm dying laughing like, oh my God, that joke was hilarious. And nobody picked it up because they're thinking like, am I making her mad? Is she getting emotional? Is she on her period? You know, like this, all these male thoughts about women humor you know especially a woman who can keep a straight face but make a good joke it's oh my god she's serious you know because right. women, women are crazy they're the devil they're unpredictable you know so yeah. that's what i think it is what do you think it is Karen? I, I think my biggest thing is that most to tell you the truth most women don't have a fucking sense of humor let's just put that out there most women i talk from a little girl you're supposed to be emotional you cry all the time you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because I am a woman and I, and I, you know, you deal with these things. But when it comes as you get older and, and I've realized that something is funny, I laugh. And I have talked to women and, and said funny shit to women and they would look at me like a, with a straight face and I was like, okay, bitch, you, you don't have a sense of humor. Right. And the thing about it is that women judge women more harshly when it comes to that realm and men judge women more harshly because they like hey you're a woman so you know you're supposed to be emotional you know or like you said it's your period or you know a lot of men like you said they're intimidated so you know they're like well if you ain't barefoot and pregnant what you doing here trying to make me laugh right you know and it becomes very very frustrating 
from a woman's perspective. Then on top of that, the way the media presents women, you know, unless you're Oprah or unless you're on GMA, Good Morning America, unless you own these shows, like that's what America wants women to represent. So if you go outside of that, you know, girlfriend circle, you know, well, I done told him and all men ain't shit type of atmosphere, it's something wrong with that. And I think for me personally, that's why for some reason I get along with guys and girls, but most of my life I had a tendency to get along with men. Why? Because men have, they find humor in everything. And I get tired of people that are very, very emotional. You'll kill yourself with a heart attack if you take everything to heart. And a lot of women do. Relax. It's okay. Relax. And that's just my opinion. No, I agree. I think, I think a lot of, a lot of these people, uh, what happens, like you said, from a young age, you're told you can't be funny. Yeah. You know, you're just told that that's not what you do. Men do the funny. You do the serious. You go see the romantic uh, movies. You go see the tearjerkers. Men go see the, the, the frat boy comedy. And, and that's kind of the mode that a lot of people get stuck in at an early age. And not only that, I also think it, it goes into sports. Because I love sports. So, uh, you know, and I think because I love sports and I have, uh, it's not all my fans, but I have a lot of my women in my family love sports too. So when I see women, they're like, well, I don't like sports. I'm almost like, are you serious? You know? Well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to get it. I don't, I don't think it's fair to typecast the, the sports stuff because honestly, like, that, like, there's a lot of women that may like sports and then, like, even, even you, you like sports, but you're not, you don't, you're not crazy about sports. Like, you're not no. gonna, you don't wanna just go to every game, you don't wanna, like, there's some chicks that really do go hard about their sports. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna jump off the bridge and my team lose, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, not just that, but there's times where I'll go home, go downstairs and I'll be watching the game and you'll just be like, I'm going upstairs to watch Dancing with the Stars. Yes. So that doesn't, I don't wanna shake away the femininity of the comedy like that's my point is actually you can be a fucking you can be a woman and be funny you don't have to be a frat boy you don't have to be one of the guys to make me laugh and that's true too and I think a lot of that is kind of missed in our uh, society and I think it goes back to what we were talking about before how a lot of women are put in a box and once you decide to go outside that box, it's a fight and a struggle to get people to respect your comedy because right. you're a woman. Now, what, uh, what do you think about it, uh, Tim? Uh, you know, I think it's crazy. I have a twin sister, and uh, she's hilarious, and she's always been funny. And I know she struggled with people getting her confused. They think she's being class or she's being rude. But when I see her joke, I know it's hilarious to me. It's, you know, and... And unfortunately, it's passed on to my niece, and so she gets in fights at school because she makes uh, hilarious jokes with other kids that don't <laughs> act funny. And she got in a fight last year. What is she? The girl said something. She said something to the girl like really quick and witty, like "We well, look like your pussy stinks." And everyone laughed, and the girl did, had no other recourse but to try and fight my niece. And she did the last year. And see, that's and when a- I was there. Uh, Oh, go ahead. Okay. When we were in middle school, my sister, we went to, we, we, I was born in California, and we moved up to Vancouver, Washington, which is across from Portland, and we were like one of 11 students of color. So it was a constant, like, race battle all the time. Uh, but they were afraid of my sister, because this one girl tried to make fun of her in the cafeteria, and all, it's literally all these kids, these white kids laughing. And my sister says, you think that's funny? And uh, she stands up, she takes her french fries, dumps on the girl's head, 
takes a root beer, pours on a girl, and says, "Now that's fun," and just walks out the cafeteria. And uh, <laughs> they looked at they treated, they treated her like <laughs> like she was a, a serial killer at that point on. Huh? Yeah, your um, sister sounds like a bully, man. And she was, she was, man. <laughs> I wanted to be the girl. Of, I wanted to be the girl at one time. Uh, I couldn't jump in because my sister was another girl. But everyone was like, "Ooh, a fight!" I thought I was fighting. I was like, "Oh, it's my sister." But I was, let me let me fall back and see if she she remembers what we taught her. And uh, yeah, man, she did some straight punches. Knock the girl out, so I'm so proud. Wow. I'm class happy. Wow, when you're talking about funny, um, our niece, who's five, uh, Roger gets a lot of his humor from his father, who's hilarious. And our niece spent a lot of time with uh, his father. So they was in there one day, and Roger's dad looked at my niece, and he says, you have ADHD. And she looked at him, and she said, you got ABC. <laughs> she had no idea what ADHD meant, but all she knew was he used letters, so she was using letters also. Yeah, I should, and I think like if you foster that, you really appreciate that type of humor, and you want somebody to be funny and be loose, and you let them, you allow them to be that way. It really does show. And I, I mean, I think one of the things that makes this show good is that you know Karen has grown and shown like. You know the willingness to try and to try to be funny, which you know a lot of people don't. They never get the courage to do that because they're they're scared they're gonna fail and that they yeah. you get backlash. And I think Karen's uh, critics are more harsh than moms, and then normally come from women. You know because they want her to fit a certain mold. And you know it's weird that you know somebody that's that serious and unfunny would even listen to our show. But you know there's people that don't like Karen. Because they have a role in their head that they want her to play. They want her to be, you know, arguing with me. They want to see her, um, you know, reining the show back in and killing the joke and, you know, uh, or, or, you know, just cutting everybody off to get her opinion and, you know, doing a certain type of humor and, instead of just being herself and talking how she talks and doing what she does. And it's, and it's really evident in some of the criticism that we receive where it's like, Clearly, if Rod said this, you guys would be fine. Yes. Karen says that, and it and you flinch. Like, did she say motherfucker? Oh my god! <laughs> like, well, I kind of, I kind of, I think I have the record safely in hand of motherfuckers on this show. Yes, you, yeah, you got the record. I'm sorry. I, I I love Karen on the show, man. I think she's great. Um, and I think I think you're right, Rod. When you say I don't think women know how to receive that. It's not like. Anything else we see in magazines, on movies, and music, um, like you said, people will have a hard time accepting women outside of that box. And I don't feel like, Karen, I don't feel like you're doing anything that's extreme. You're just being yourself and you're being funny. Um, and I think it's great to hear, and it's, there's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like, like my friend's wife, Amber, we sat and joked one time about if we were drafting slaves. I, <laughs> I said I'd want Dwight Howard if I was drafting slaves right now. I'd want Dwight Howard. And we were trying to. It was a hilarious discussion about Dwight Howard or LeBron James. Who would make the better play? <laughs> um, but being able to joke with a woman like that is is fun. And I don't know as when that happens. I'm surprised it happened more. And hopefully we're seeing a turn of that with with people having more platforms with the internet and with podcasts. Hopefully we'll see more women. I start to be as funny as Karen is on this show. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I listen to podcasts. It's because it's one of the outlets where I can hear a funny woman and it's not, you know, gonna, she's not gonna get slammed down on by the press or, 
you know, she's not going to not win any awards that year in comedy or, you know, whatever, because she's just being herself on the radio. I like that. Yeah, and, and on top of that, I think that um, as I began, as time went on, if, if people had went back and listened to the old episodes, I just got more comfortable and things like that. And there are some times where you say things and they don't go over well. That's okay. It right. happens to everybody. Right, like I have random thoughts sometimes. But it's just like womp womp, and I'm like, okay, to the next one, you know. <laughs> but it's part of being a comedian. Is you taking that shot, and it might work, it might not. Yeah, so I, I don't know, man. I just like I said, I want to give some appreciation to the funny women out there, man, because you don't yeah. see people bring that up enough, in my opinion, man. And everybody likes to appreciate a girl who likes sports or talks openly about sex or whatever. But I really think dudes get uh, intimidated to think of a woman might be funnier than her you know the, yeah. like if I end this show and Karen had all the jokes oh shit I, I fucked up you know like no <laughs> oh, I, I love that well Rod you know you're the better half of the show well I am 10 star Rod yes you are so Samantha Jackson does not like you alright let's do some <laughs> articles man I don't know if you still have your Skype up um, but I'm gonna uh, I, I'm just, oh, you don't have to have it up I'm, I'm gonna read the articles I could. I was okay. gonna say if you had it up, I'd send it to you, but it's not a big deal. Um, let's see. Uh, Cincinnati woman uses vibrator, watches porn, and drives at the same time. Oh my god! <laughs> she was getting it in, wasn't she? She was multitasking. Wait, she was doing what? She was you. Well, let's let's go through the story. About a year ago. Calandra Hamilton of Cincinnati was pulled over by police because her windows were tinted a few shades too dark. Well, no wonder. I mean, you got all that going. You know, right? Hamilton was guilty of something we all do sometimes. That is, trying to do too many things at once. Oh, they try to have a little tongue-in-cheek joke right there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. But in between brushing your teeth and having a vibrator, that is not the same thing. (laughs) Maybe you got a maybe she got an electronic toothbrush. I hope so. In the in this particular case, Hamilton was using a sex toy and watching porn displayed on a laptop. Man, second like second time we've heard somebody driving with porn on their laptop. Yeah. And this time it's a chick. People, y'all need to stop this. Y'all kill yourselves. According to the police report, the operator was also observed with her pants unbuttoned and a vibrator in her lap. She advised that she had been using it while watching a video on a computer the passenger was holding. Oh, she had somebody in that with her? Yep. <laughs> Who's that dude in the shotgun? It's like, all right, cool. Just... Yeah. Oh, they, they... Keep eyes on the road. Oh. Yeah, hold, can you hold my laptop for me? Why? I'm about to jack off. How, how, how could her feet touch the paddle? Uh, well, can everybody has different methods of masturbating? You know, that's, maybe that's she used true. a different version than you do. Oh, okay. You know, who knows how she was getting it in? I, I know. The officers also found. Surprise, surprise, a broken crack pipe. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, this makes more sense. Yeah, it helps. Say, now it makes sense. Yeah, because since the crack pipe was broken, you got to get high somehow, you know? Yes, sir. Yeah. It's not like you they found to pay a, for that crack somehow. It's not like they found an intact crack pipe, you know? Yeah. You think she was on a Skype date? I don't know. Do you think they were recording her sex act? That's what I'm saying. Maybe she was on a, maybe she was on a Skype date. She you was like... <laughs> Turn my turn my uh turn my laptop on. I need to talk to my boyfriend. I need some more money for this crack in my PayPal. Hey baby, this is just for you. Yeah, this is her own little like a like a mobile webcam show. That's how she made her money. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've seen Bang Bros. You know, I've seen the Bang Bus. <laughs> Maybe this is how this shit happens. 
You know, start, you st- it's a gateway, it's gateway porn. You start doing porn on your laptop, next thing you know, you're fucking yeah. a couple of strangers in a van. Yeah, but all stars do Skype. Yep. Um, and for this, she was charged. As of this past Monday, she has pleaded guilty to possession of drug paraphernalia. So she only got charged with the drugs. Wow, not getting it in? She was not that bad looking for a crackhead. I mean, she, you know, she needs some work, but she, you know, she don't have no makeup on right there. She could she need to, to do that. No. You know, she could have got to a rest stop. Um, Let me ask you this. Why, why didn't the other person drive while she did it? I don't know, man. would have made more sense. Maybe the other person ain't have a license. They never mentioned the person's name. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the biggest offense going on. And, and, and they didn't say if it was a he or she. Yeah, it could have been a minor. Maybe it's a son. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, uh, hot. <laughs> this, this next, this next article. Uh, hot. Oh, hot head, pothead, stab. Head. Oh. Yes. He was trying to light his blunt. No, no good article starts this way. No. He was trying to light his blunt. Manhattan for the prosecutors yesterday released the alleged confession of a homeless man accused of stabbing a woman in the head with his pen <gasps> after she told him to stop smoking pot on the subway train. Are you serious? This is why. Oh, this is why I never talk to strangers like that. No, man. and this is why I let people smoke in peace. People are listen. People are perfectly aware of the rules. Yes, I don't know. Are. I don't know who you good Samaritans think you guys are informing. With your, with your little asshole ranch. You can't smoke in here. They know. Leave them the fuck alone. That's right. If, like this, if, they bold, if he's bold enough to smoke in front of you, you don't know what he's capable of doing to your ass. Right. This person has obviously already demonstrated a blatant disregard for rules. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to throw some litter down in the middle of the park. You, that's the wrong time to go up to that guy and go, hey, sir, you dropped something. That guy might turn around and slap the shit out of you. Yes, leave people alone, people. Or stab you in the head with a pen. Oh. Uh, let's see. He says, I was just trying to light my blunt. And the bitch would leave me alone. <laughs> oh, did hell? she come back? Damn. His name is Cor- Roberto Cordero. And he's 35. And he says, so I hit her. So, yeah, she must have been harassing the hell out of him. She must have been really killing that high. I mean, if you're recapping, you know, it was probably 420 when this happened. He says, look, I was trying to light my blunt, and the bitch wouldn't leave me alone, so I hit her. <laughs> she was nagging him, huh? Yeah. Like, Don't smoke your weed in here. And he was like, shut up, bitch. And she kept going. And he was like, you know what? Pin to the head. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your ass will shut up now. Uh, Chris Brown allegedly drew his weapon against Evelyn Seeger, 45, of Nutley, New Jersey, aboard a southbound number two train near Chamber Street Tuesday morning. Seeger needed four stitches in her scalp to close the wound. And my thing oh, wow. they have people whose job it is to tell him to stop doing that who have been trained. Bitch, you're not training this. Leave people alone. Yeah, and they charged him with felony assault in possession of the weed. And a weapon. I, I know one thing. Next time she sees somebody breaking the wood, her ass gonna keep it trucking. <laughs> let, like, let them stitches be a reminder. That's right. What they say? A stitch in time saves nine? Yes, sir. <laughs> 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 it's like, sir, there's no parking there. What? Uh, never mind. I'm, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> 
<laughs> you gotta know when to walk away. Right. Yes. Now here goes the story that I'm gonna let you guys decide whose side you think I'm on. Special ed student Joseph Anderson, seven years old, was handcuffed by cops at a queen school after an Easter egg tantrum. Oh. Cops handcuffed a seven year old at a queen school after he became upset while decorating an Easter egg. Special education student Joseph Anderson, a fifth grader at public school 153, um, was taken to the Elmhurst Hospital Center in Metal Cuffs. I love how they throw in details like that. In Metal Cuffs! Not the plastic knife <laughs> ones. These weren't the SpongeBob cuffs. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, even though his mother told school officials she was on her way to pick him up, uh, she he was crying and saying, I want mommy. Anderson said, why handcuff him? Why get the cops involved? He's only seven. The little boy began wetting himself in the middle of the day and throwing up since the April 13th incident. His his distraught mom says, so now he pees and he throws up. Now look, I, he was special before this happened, okay? Yes. He may have been He's doing, doing this already. You know, she's <laughs> obviously about to sue the school. Of course. We I have mean. no evidence that this is happening because he got arrested. Um, now, in all fairness, this little boy is black, so you know, it, this is one of those stories that white people would think is a ghost story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but, but you let, uh, little boy Billy, I bet you they wouldn't arrested his ass. Oh, it says, if he hears an ambulance, he runs under the bed and screams. Traumatized. They're going to get me. He's really traumatized. I don't let him watch the news anymore because if he sees cops, he cries. Well, that's every black male at seven years old. I don't know that that's special, you know? Sounds like my, sounds like my childhood. Yeah, that's what I used to do. Cop, go shit. <laughs> my worst day in school was when McGruff the crime dog came. He's like, I'll take a bite out of, <laughs> take a bite out of your black ass. I was like, what'd you say? I mean, bite out of crime. <laughs> um, so, so they said basically that, um, the, the, the school staff took the drastic step to protect the boy and the classmates. The school tried to defuse the situation and then called for outside assistance when they were concerned the child would harm himself or others. Um, he has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, delayed speech, and emotional problems. He was not having a good day. Like, come on, man. I, is that all it takes to be special these days? Yeah, that's not. That's low at the low bar. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like he, this, he could have started impressions from what I'm reading here and you could describe some of my friends right now that way yeah I'm, I actually am a little I don't think this kid's special at all um, he was not having a good day she said she would pick him up like are we doing kids a disservice by being like you can go to special education because you got emotional problems yeah, yes. and, and yeah yes we are and, and this is my personal opinion Um, I think we live in a society where drugs will fix everything Sometimes there's nothing wrong with children. And for some reason, especially black children, uh, when children are bored, they get active. They, you don't, you lose their attention, all that stuff. They want to claim, which there is children who really do have, you know, mental disorders and things like that. Nah, sometimes parents need to strap down and be parents and spend time with their child and say, look, sit your ass down in the class. Yeah, I mean, this shit clearly got out of hand and everything. Yes, it but, did. And I, and I don't mm-hmm. blame her for being mad because if I tell you as a parent, I'm bringing my ass up there to the school and I get there and you arrested my child, I'm going to be upset too. I'm coming for a reason. Okay, all right. I, I, don't, I don't, I mean, they can put handcuffs on a kid. I, have you guys ever worked with kids before? 
No. No. Yeah, man. Some of them special ed kids are strong as shit. So see, that's what I was thinking. He probably had like super super strength. <laughs> yeah, handcuffing that kid was probably the right thing to do. He probably was like okay. talking people you know around and shit, and throwing chairs like the Sorcerer Wars. And, and I could even understand handcuffing, but did they did they take that they took to the hospital and stuff too? Um, they took him to I don't, uh, I forgot what they said they took him. Oh uh, yeah, to Elmhurst Hospital Metal. Center in Metal Cuffs, which I'm I'm assuming they did so he wouldn't hurt himself or hurt anybody. I mean, I mean I got jokes to make and shit, but in general, man, if the dude was special. A seven, and he has a tantrum. I, like at this point, I really don't know what people want, what teachers and and police to do. That's that's true. I honestly don't know what the right call is anymore. It's like you do anything, they want to sue you. But teacher lays a hand on a kid, that's a lawsuit. Yeah. If that kid fucks up some other kids at school, that's a lawsuit. Yeah. If you call the yeah. police, that's a lawsuit. The police don't do shit, that's a lawsuit. Like what the fuck? What do y'all want, kid? People, I don't, I really would love for someone to write in and say. This is what you're supposed to do because everyone gets pissed no matter what happens. I don't know yeah. if it's called the right thing to do, but damn, man, I, the alternative is probably kicking this little nigga in the chest. Yeah, yeah you need to be that cop. Cop stomps out special ed kids. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really don't get it. Um, well, you know, speaking of movie news, Tyler Perry, he's coming out with a new movie, so you know that means he has to come and do an article defending himself. Tyler yeah, Perry. Manual. Yeah, it happens every year. Tyler Perry to Spike Lee goes straight to hell. The long-standing feud between directors Tyler Perry and Spike Lee is still as hot as their movie. <laughs> Perry recently... <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Who wrote this? I don't know. <laughs> Perry obviously hadn't seen nothing in the movie. <laughs> Perry recently fired back at Lee, telling him to go to hell after Lee said Perry's movies harken to Am- Amos and Andy days. Um, now one thing this person is leaving out is that Spike Lee said that shit like two years ago. Yes. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Come on, son. Why do you always gotta do this, Tyler Perry? Uh, so he put a website message on his site that was vague and resilient, defending his work as both spiritually uplifting and fun. His words for Lee were blunt and harsh in the press conference. I'm so sick of hearing about damn Spike Lee, Perry said during the press conference. And you know all the, all the reporters are like, nobody brought him they're like, yeah. no, nobody was asking about Spike Lee. Yeah. They're like, you think they were like, so, in this Medea movie, I see that you finally got the old Spike guy to take the role of the, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Spike Lee. What you talking about? Spike Lee's at the Knicks game. Yeah. He ain't thinking about you. <laughs> Spike Lee could go straight to hell and you can print that. I'm sick of him talking about me. And I'm sick of him saying, this is a coon and this is a buffoon. I'm sick of him talking about black people going to see movies. This is what he said. You vote by what you see. As if black people don't know what they want to see. Um, here's all I gotta say about <sighs> Tyler Perry, man. This, and then, Cause I'm not, I'm, I'm not a fan of Tyler Perry's work. I think it's subpar. Um, and I really have no problem. I don't, I don't, I don't take the extra step of him being representing all black people. I don't believe in that shit. Um, I also don't take the extra step of he's, he's in the closet. He's gay, so he can't, we can't have him making movies. Like, I was talking about Tyler Perry and some homophobe tried to agree with me on Twitter. Like, yeah, man. Plus, I don't need no gay dude representing me. I'm like, dude, if you don't get the fuck out of here, ain't nobody talking about that shit. No. And, and I was like, man, I was like, dude, don't, I was like, you don't, don't bring that homophobia to me. And he's like, man, you ain't got to call it homophobia. Call it what it is. Anti-gay. 
and Ty Dennis. I was like, dude, I'm not responding to you. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Isn't it <laughs> obvious? <laughs> dude, it's like if I come out and be like, man, these these niggas at the basketball court was tripping, and then the, the Klansman comes out like, yes, all niggas must die. You're like, whoa. <laughs> Ain't that serious? You took the extra step that I was not prepared to go, sir. You, you, you said that he he come with his match and his cross. That's Venom. Yeah, <laughs> the burn of all. I got the gasoline. <laughs> I got the cake right here. Come on, son. I mean, all I
Like, I, I'm critical of any shit movie. That's period. right, regardless of who made it. And so I think that, okay, so I catch it from my side, right? I get the, the race card. But one thing we do have to keep in mind is that there's a lot of black people who attack Tyler Perry on a strictly class basis. And yeah. where they don't appreciate the fact that Southern black women, maybe even crash comedy to some extent, has an outlet. Yeah. And they feel like this shit represents all black people because they believe in that. And because they believe in that, they want Tyler Perry to be responsible for every black person and to put out responsible content and all that. And that's not that's not even a little bit why I don't like Tyler Perry. And I just want to clear that one up. I don't like him because his movies are shit. And I think the, the people who defend him and the people who don't like him equally catch a lot of flack from the other side mm-hmm. from the extremists who throw the race shit in your face. Yes, yeah, man. I think that's true. You're trying to get cut, man. It's a lot of black women. I don't even talk to them about Tyler Perry. Because uh, the second you do, you're going to start a fight. You're like, you know, it ain't that important. It's not that important. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. all right. Uh, I, I was going to say about, about Tyler Perry real quick, man. That, and people feel free to at me, at People's Critic, People's C-R-T-I-T. Um, I'm not a fan. Never been a fan. Um, I haven't seen any progression in his movies. I think that's my main concern. Um, and I think at some point he starts doing more harm than good uh, because people start feeling like these are the type of movies that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other great black films. I mean, F. Gary Gray directed Law Body Citizen. You know what I mean? Um, John yeah. Singleton's directing that new abduction movie with Taylor Lautner. Like, there's other black filmmakers out here trying to do work. Uh, so let's not pigeonhole Tyler Perry. If that's his niche, and that's how he's getting money, if you don't like it, don't support it. Um, and don't, but don't try to say it's a good movie because it's not. Right. I'm not going to argue facts. These are not good movies. It's okay to like, look, I, like I said earlier, I love sci-fi film. It's okay to like bad movies. Not a problem. Yeah, that's my, don't, that's, don't. I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. That's my major issue. Just don't tell me it's good. I don't mind you fucking liking it. I will tolerate yeah. that shit. But don't come yeah. home and tell me that that shit is good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And you don't know? tell me I'm hating because I don't like it. Yeah, I don't. And you I, hate I don't want to see him prosper. Yeah, I don't care. If, I don't eat off of him. I don't care if he does well. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't. I just have a problem with, you know, I, I went through the same issues you've gone through when I've told people I'm not seeing this movie because I know this is how it ends. Um, and people, oh, you're hating on Tyler Perry. You don't want to see a brother come up. Like, what do I, what have I ever had that stance about anything about any other black people? <laughs> I mean, not excited to, to direct my hate towards Tyler Perry. <laughs> you like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hate all y'all black folks. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about I don't hate Spike Lee and F. Gary Gray and yeah. John Singleton and the Hughes brothers. Like, how come I'm not sitting yeah. up there hating on all of them? Yeah. Exactly. And, and the, the Hughes brothers did that, that Book of Eli movie. And that's the thing. These people take their stance of supporting black actors and, and black directors. They don't ever mention these other directors who are doing great Hollywood films that are high quality. That's yeah. the other issue I have. Movies are poor quality. They're doing high quality movies that are getting big releases that no one's like, hey, I don't see a tweet from someone saying, go support the youth brothers that did the Book of Eli. Right. No, exactly. you just go support this so-so play that turned into a shitty movie. Right. He's found his niche. Um... Uh, these people must have seen the Tyler Perry movie. Uh, Mobile, Alabama, a judge denied bail today for a Pritchard man accusing of, accused of gouging out his uncle's eyeballs with a spoon. Oh! Yeah, oh. yeah they must have seen Medea go to prison. 
Um, Tameo Knight, 31, appeared, appeared briefly before District, Cup, District Court Judge Michael McKacken, or McMacken, uh, who refused to set a bail. Knight, who was being held in Mobile County Metro Jail, was charged with first-degree assault. Pritchard Police was called to the 300 block, and they get an address, uh, that found 79-year-old Bonnie Pogue bleeding from his face. Oh, my God. Oh. years old. What I mean, did that old man say to you to make you snap? Can That's you even um, can you just imagine a spoon going into your eye socket oh. and wedging out your eyeball and throwing it in the trash? Oh, it's got to be painful as hell because spoons don't cut. I didn't even think of that. Why would this guy with somebody or shooting him? I think this was a uh, escalating shit talking. That's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, looks like he said that's it, Grandpa. This the last time you don't call me a good for nothing lazy ass nigga. You got to go. Yeah, it's like he said it. He said I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bigger eyeballs out with a spoon. He said nigga, no, you're not. And he, yeah. yeah, see that's why I, I think his uncle was like, boy, I'll take you over my leg and beat you like I used to with my belt. And he's like, oh, <laughs> old man, I'll take that broom handle and I'll stick it up your ass. Oh yeah, boy, why well, I take this hot grease from this fish we frying and pour it all over you in the shower? Oh yeah, why well, I take that spoon and I gouge your motherfucking eyeballs out? Boy, you won't do shit. I know. And I, then that's how it happens. I know. I take my teeth and gnaw your ass. <laughs> why do we do that as people? Why do black people always make the most outlandish statements about what they're gonna do that they can't possibly do? Yeah, that is true, man. We'd be like, I'm going to vote that tank and come back and blow this motherfucker up. Be like, where you going to tank from? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go vote in the 2012 election. Like, oh, nigga, you ain't right. You ain't about to you do ain't that shit. You ain't ready to vote. What are you talking yeah. about? You know you ain't about to do that shit. Anyway, uh, investigators later. <laughs> I'm going to graduate from college and beat some. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever, nigga. You going to prison like the rest of us. Um, investigators later found Poe's eyeballs in a trash can and a bloody spoon on the kitchen counter. Because, you know, you need to clean that for later. Like, how are you going to use that spoon again? <laughs> yeah, spoon goes in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> According to police, and night was still inside the house. Nigga, like, sitting there watching TV, like, I bet you what you can see this. I told you what I was going to do, nigga. But the next time you believe me when I tell you I'm with your ass. This is the best Celtic game I have ever seen in my life. Oh, Grandpa, if you can see this amazing shot. <laughs> uh, can you see me now? Can you see me now? Police Chief hey. Jimmy Jimmy Gardner said he couldn't discuss any details of a possible motive. Well, I think the motive here is crazy. Oh, could you imagine yeah. the ER people or whoever had to go in and find that shit? Yeah. Oh my God, I mean, that is traumatizing. How is the motive not, Is it, why is that just a box on a police report where you can just check out Cray Cray yeah. and just walk away? <laughs> you don't need a fucking motive. No. Oh, let's let's find out why he did this. You know, we need to get to the bottom of it. Oh, wait a minute. Cray Cray, end of the day. Let's go back to work. Um, it's funny cause I, I, I dated a girl who was a psychology major, and she said, you can't say crazy. When she was getting her PhD in psychology, when she was telling me, you can't call people crazy. I'm like, but if the person is crazy, you still can't say it. Wow. Not clinical. You really can't say they're crazy. You have to have, okay. have some sort of symptom or some sort of and, ailment. And that's, the, that's the thing. Everybody want to always come up with these logical 
well thought out book text process shit if you ain't on there you just flat fucking crazy and that's the end of it i don't need an explanation for crazy because yeah. crazy don't have an explanation for themselves right you can't explain crazy man. that can't tell you why they're crazy speaking of crazy here's a uh, the craziest story of the day what would your mother do the accident underwear designed to put teenagers off sex now what why they what? why they have these these pictures of these hot blonde chicks. Girls, and these And these are some pretty tight ass pants. I don't know, like, yes. why they think That's this not is promoting accidents. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is actually promoting sex. I, you, uh, this is a little, this is a little ridiculous what's going on right here. But, um, parents often resign to the fact that they cannot, do you know hipsters are going to have a field day coming on these underwear? Like, they're, <laughs> it's so wow. it is so ironic. It is too ironic. Um parents are are, are often re- resigned to the fact that they cannot control their teenagers. Shit. Maybe your parents. My dad did a pretty good job controlling us teenagers in our crib. <laughs> uh but some mothers refuse to give up trying. A range of anti sex underwear has been designed to promote abstinence using slogans like Zip it and not tonight. Uh, Let me tell you something. So how, does, how does that work? I see. So I'm with the girl. I see the underwear and it says not tonight. And I'm supposed to be like, ah, I guess you're right. And as tight as these underwear are, dude. Yes, tonight. Yeah. It should say tonight, tonight. Let me finish this. this. You don't wear this shit around the dude and think you're not getting fucked. And the chicks in this pictures look like they're about to get fucked. I don't. I don't know yeah, who took to these pictures. And then one girl got a dude on the opposite side of her. Come on. Yeah. But, but what dude gets down to the underwear and says, wait a minute, what does that say? <laughs> yeah, oh, <You're> right. man. <laughs> Only this thin layer of, uh, of, 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 of nylon separates me from your vagina. But you know what? You're right. Dream you, on. You know, as a as a dude, <laughs> you don't you don't when you get excited, like you're not thinking straight. When you feel like I'm, that was to me. That's what's funny about Catch a Predator too. When you think I'm about to have sex, you the way you're thinking is not even clear. Right. I you, doubt any dude's reading anything that's on their pants. And you would think if you were designing underwear to be to promote abstinence, they would look not sexy. Yes. Like if, if I was yeah. designing them, I would design underwear that look like maybe you were having your period. You know, <laughs> underwear that had like maybe a fish scent on them. You know, yeah, fish scented underwear. That's what I would buy my daughter. Because I'm trying to scare these niggas away. I'm not. I'm trying to get them to be like, oh no, not tonight, right? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's all we handle. But if you, if I pull this off and I see Dream on on these tight. Tight ass shorts. I'm dreaming on it. I had a dream of you last night. Right. Um, the bizarre collection sold online, aptly named "What Would Your Mother Do," includes boy shorts. Well, your mother would fuck. That's why you here. Right. Apparently, they don't understand why you're alive. Yeah. yeah. What your mother would do is take sperm into her vagina, which would eventually lead to you. Yeah. Um, what your mother would do, your mother sucks some dicks. Sorry yes, for you. Apparently, you don't understand that your mom is such a penis or two. Not my yeah. mom. She's never done that. Include voice your ass can shut up. <laughs> Including <laughs> This is why women can't be funny. How do women try to be funny out of the I don't know why you think the stocks is real. I shot that bitch out the air. Uh, including boy shorts, underwear, t-shirt, and even a tote bag. 
a tote bag. That, this what's a tote bag for? <laughs> to carry your vibrators and your your condoms, obviously. Oh. Um, and your vi- and, and, not your vitamin your D batteries. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you gonna get some vitamin D? Um, what would your mother do says, we created a line of underwear to use as conversation starters to help reinforce family morals as they relate to relationships and dating. As a teenager, won't they mama to come out with some draws and talk about some dream on? You know what? I'm thinking the opposite, Karen. I'm thinking kids probably can't wait to get these underwear. Because they're going to be fucking and they're going to think it's hilarious. Yeah. See, I, I, that's the wrong way to go about asking it. You should have gave me the money. And I would have took the kids and talked to a group of doctors about STDs. They could tell you everything about it. And that would be enough passionate uh, to keep them kids from having sex. Let me tell you something, Kelsey. Kids are going to be fucking. And until we accept this as a fucking fact, we are going to just keep fucking these kids up. This is how you get... They might as well call these underwear get pregnant underwear. It's like, you don't need no birth control. You got your special underwear... And you're just not gonna do it, okay? That's how it is. And then they come back six months later with a gut full of baby, and you're like, oh damn, this is the wrong way to play it. Hey, you know what? I'm like, I'm like Timothy. This is what you should do: take that money, go buy condoms, right? Go buy birth control. I, yeah, go see the doctor too, cause by the time, cause I was already at school. By the time they show you pictures of that shit, you be like, ew. Yeah, but the point yeah. being, people, I don't know if y'all understand how human existence works, but. The reason there's six billion of us, and this may shock everybody here, people are fucking apparently. Yes, they are. Let me, oh, actually, breaking news that's just saying people are fucking. They're probably fucking right now. <laughs> yes. They're probably fucking while they're listening to the podcast. Uh, I'm being interrupted with a live podcast update. Um, let's go to the news desk. Uh, apparently, people are fucking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Educate them. That, that's my thing. Educate them. You just need to teach them. Man. Maybe you can teach them. You know, about STDs, but yes. it's kind of like you can't scare a kid off of sex. We tried that. Mm-mm. It don't work. I, I, think, I, think, I think that's the opposite way to go. Yeah. You know, we think about, you know, I had a huge debate with one of my good friends uh, during the last election. He was talking about, oh, abortion and people in abortion. And I said, it's not like a bunch of married people running around having abortions. No, and no one's for, no one's pro-abortion. No one's like, come kill, kill these babies. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've been thinking about killing. Kill it, bitch. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm but I want to kill choice. little kids. But, uh, <laughs> I said, you know, but I said, we don't, the issue is unwanted teen pregnancy, if you think about it. Like, that, that's the major issue. So by the time you get to the part where someone's pregnant, and they might have a kid, you're way too far along the line to try to do anything that's going to change their mind. Right. There's no, nothing you're going to bring up where someone's going to say, you know what, I'm still going to have a baby with this dude who ain't about nothing. Although we know that does happen, but. Right. Um, but I mean. The same, even, the same with yeah, and even in those situations, man, there's, there's a ton of details to each and every situation that, you know, we can't always know. But just in general, man, I, I really think this is the dumb way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Astonance tight underwear. Um, it's it, it, it's just ridiculous, and they they're way too sexy for astonance underwear. It's like, what do they got an astonance thong coming next? Oh, yeah. this is ridiculous. Astonance I might make this. A, I think I'm gonna make this the picture for the episode. Um, <laughs> uh, here's a dude that fucked up, and it's important. Oh, a man oh. behind behind oh. the wheel of a stolen car. Why does his face look like Frankenstein? I don't know, man. Uh, cause maybe he's Frankenstein's cousin or something. I think he might be. Um, a man behind the wheel of a stolen car plowed through the crime scene tape near the Lloyd Center Mall, where a 14-year-old was shot. 
where a 14 year old was shot in the head Monday. Oh. Yeah. I've been to the mall a n- number of times. When officers found the driver, identified as Kevin Signalist, or Signal Ness, he was Signalist. He, did, he didn't turn that left hand signal on. No, he did turn into that crime tape. They said he had his pants unzipped and a pornographic oh. magazine laying on the passenger seat. Wow. This is the take- second story of somebody jacking off while driving. That's a new thing? See, he was like, fuck it. I'm just going to take both my hands off the steering wheel. Well, this is what happens when you have abstinence underwear, okay? You end up jacking off in all kinds ah, of places because ah, you ain't getting ah. no pussy. You have nothing to look forward to. Wow. Let me ask you this, Rod. Is, is there a reason why you could not wait to go home? I do. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> I don't even know why people buy porno magazines. Like exactly, who's still buying them? That shit is like impossible to sell me. You can't sell. You can't sell me a porno magazine anywhere with the internet connection. Period. <laughs> even if it's my phone, I, I will find a way to jack off in the privacy of the safety of my own confines. I'm not gonna take a risk with my dick. Who does that? If you found a magazine, you probably be like, eh, I'll find it online. Hey man, if you ever, and and it's gonna be moving online too. Yeah, if you ever, if you ever read about me getting caught jacked out, jacking off by the police, (laughs) I want y'all guys to know I was framed. I was framed. (laughs) You you guys need to go to the courthouse and 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 pick at that bitch like I was uh, Joe Clark. Get me out of there, because I did not do that shit. I guarantee you, I would never jack off in anywhere with a risk. I take my time with my dick. I respect it. Anyway, Signalness appeared in court Tuesday to face charges of driving under the influence of intoxicants, reckless driving, and public indecency, among others. Wow. So he was driving drunk and fucking drove into crime tape. Could you imagine you jacking off and driving and then you look up and you roll to a crime scene? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't roll over the dead body. <laughs> Am I the only one that always imagines the wreck occurring at Climax? Exactly. Like every, every single time they get pulled over, I just imagine them being like, I almost got that nut though. Let me just finish. Two more strokes. Wait a few more minutes, officer. Yeah, it was worth it. I'm almost there. Oh, I hate to be the cop that showed up on the scene of that shit. Yes. Oh, you put these handcuffs on yourself, sir. Uh, You got got anything y'all need to know about? Because I'll get somebody to check it when I get some gloves. Uh, Now, these are people getting caught. How how many people think are doing this? A lot, apparently. Most are not being caught or not running the crime scene. More than I thought. I thought it was zero. I mean, I understand getting head in the whip. Everybody tried that, but come on, son. Are you really jacking off in the whip? Like, come on, man. You need two eyes on the road. Yes. That's some loser shit. <laughs> Everybody knows one drives, one does oral sex. That's, that's the way. It's, you work in a team. It's a buddy system. <laughs> All um, we think got an accident and was like, oh, shit. And they some stuff in the glove compartment real quick. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and how come they never have time to put the shit up? That's why I'm, I'm convinced that they, they don't stop till they jack till they come all the way. Yeah, they don't have time I, to hide. Yeah, it. yeah after you, you come, then you really don't feel like you can do anything. That's all. That's all that is, man. <laughs> all right, man. Um, this is the last story I'm reading. Um, New York woman found in love rival's closet, armed with knife, duct tape, and sinister motive. Wow. Yeah, she was a single white female. Yes, she was. A New York woman allegedly discovered hiding in the closet of her husband's girlfriend with a carving knife and duct tape had sinister motives. You don't say. A husband's 
Yeah, her husband's girlfriend. Wow. Yeah, he was cheating on her. I wonder why he was cheating on her, though. She seemed so nice. What? Police found 47-year-old Elizabeth Hernandez lying in wait for the couple in the mistress's apartment in Peekskill, 64 kilometers north of New York City, after a neighbor spotted her climbing through a window and called 911. Hernandez, whose husband left her a few months ago, so he left her already, was hiding under a pile of clothing and armed with a 30-centimeter knife. <laughs> this article must be from, like, Europe or some shit. Um, surgical gloves and duct tape. They found bleach and garbage bags in her car. She was about to... Damn. She was about to... She was going to wait today. was in the middle of having sex. She was going to cut everybody up. Yeah, she was about to pull some craziness. Uh, she had concealed herself quite well, said Eric Johansson of the Peace Hill Police. Uh, she didn't say what her motive was. What? What? She ain't got to tell me what her motive I think you is. just checked Cray Cray on the box. I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I can... <laughs> Save police a ton of time. The cray cray box. Can we invent the cray cray box and just save everybody the paperwork? Uh, however, given the fact that all these items were recovered and the fact that she broke into the home, you have to think there was a much more sinister plan. Word. Yeah, like really? stabbing her to death. <laughs> so, yeah, she got charged with second degree burglary and third degree criminal mischief and cray cray. Wow. Well, all right, wow. man. This, this has been another episode of Black Eyed Test. I guess was the People's Critic, a.k.a. Timothy. Yeah. Um, Can I say something real quick yes. before, uh, yes. before we close the show? Go ahead, bro. Um, first of all, uh, I'm single. Part of the listeners, I'm writing a relationship book. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am single, but I'm definitely not writing a relationship book. But I figured it'd be a good time to do it. Everybody's getting that money. Uh, but no, I, uh, about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, I was at work. Literally worked with this lady who I've never wanted to punch somebody in the face so bad. Like, I probably still would do it if uh, I did. Uh, hey, you uh, work with Rihanna? <laughs> yeah, she was dancing in red hair. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I had to finish this project and I was having a hard time concentrating on finishing this project, man. It was, and I had to finish it before the year was out. And that's when I found your podcast, man. I listened to it, man. You guys really helped. And literally, in my review, I was like, man, I had this podcast to listen to. And that's how I got the project done. I even won an excellence award at work. Um, and it, was, it wasn't just y'all's podcast. It was everybody. Haterazzi, you know, uh, World of 40 Acres, uh, and Family Check, all those podcasts, the whole Chitlin' Circuit, man. Everybody's great. Um, and it's really helpful, man. So I know there's people right now listening to the show at work that are just as excited to have something to listen to to be able to get their work done and make it through that 40-hour work week, man. So I definitely appreciate you guys, man. I'm a team to support, man, and I hope more people listen and you guys really get to get this thing rolling. So I just wanted to say that and let y'all know how much I appreciate it and how much it's, it's been a benefit to me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Oh, man, that's that's nice, Thank man. Thank you. you. We really Aww, do appreciate yes, it, man. Yes, we do. And um, uh, don't forget, man, plug your, plug your site, too, while, while you're talking. Oh, man, I, I, it's, uh, it's blog.tallapi uh, slash people's critic, or you can always just Google people's critic um, and uh, Seattle PI or, or any any other uh, variants of that. And also on, I contribute to Miss Moxie's website. And for the ladies, man, if you guys like it, a lot of good fashion tips, a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, so uh, that's M-Y-S-S-O-M-O-X-I-E. Um, and, and feel free to hit me up. You guys at me, ask me any movie questions, send me an email. 
Um, I get a lot of mean ones, so it's nice emails would be good. <laughs> those usually from the those usually from the nerds, man. I wrote why I didn't like Superman, and somebody sent me this long email about how he's a class life figure and how dare I slander Superman. So, wow, it's all love. Yeah, that's what I said. Wow, you got too much time on your hands. Yeah, yeah, calm down, much. nerd. All right, man. Well, um, <laughs> don't 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 forget also, guys. You can call our show seven zero four five five seven zero one eight six. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, don't forget also the blackoutters at gmail dot com for emails. Uh, you know, go to our uh, iTunes page, search for the Black Guy Tips. Leave us reviews. We love reading five star reviews, which are the only time we leave on the show. We read on the show, even if it's dissing us. I promise, I'll read it. It's five yes. stars. Um, and uh, you know, I just appreciate everybody listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Rodimus Prime. I'm say that again. That S N D H T. And uh, also, don't forget to go to theblackoutsips.com. There's a donate button there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm moving over all my old blog posts uh, one by one to the, to the new site. So you guys actually can go there now. And if you just search for the blog uh, or go to the category blog posts, you will see a ton of shit that, you, that was not there before. Yeah. Um, He's been blogging for a long time, guys. So yeah. that I knew to the show. The next one I got to put up is the blackest NBA players of all time, which I think will be a big hit. <laughs> Man, that'll be up. That'll be up soon. Uh, that's going to be a recur- re- recurring series. But um, until then, um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back Saturday morning for our feedback episode. Yes, and I love you, you too, baby. Mwah. Yeah, yeah. Back when I was young. Very ambitious, but often blinded by my hunger. Some say I dream too big and my dream gon' take me young. Beneath the streets of Gary, will I make it out? I wonder. Took my obituary, be the next day, read a monster. Niggas I came up with and fell victim to this dope game. Poverty stricken, so our economy is cocaine. Ecstasy, heroin, marijuana, ain't no hope, man. Absentee fathers and dope fiend mobbers got my hood turned out to the point that a nigga wanna go in get paid. But sitting on the bench, I'ma go no. Till the next week, till I'm gone in my grave. Then I figured out that I can make a living off a nigga word rhyme. It was all in my mind. Everybody in the G with the finger rolls studio. Nobody had a flow quite like mine. But along with the fame, came a whole lot of hate from the hood. Every day I would fight. Mama can't sleep because I'm way too deep in the street. She would break through it at night. Every round that I spit real shit because it's just another day in my life. It is better keep a vest. Test in my testicles. They be vegetables. They gon' respect the blood till I'm gone. One for the Monday, two for the motherfucking haters. Get my name in the game. I'm screaming for the world. A lot of niggas made a name off banging and hustling, but really wasn't. I built my name with no features or some expensive budget. Go for mine, cause a co-sign can't coincide with the shit I'm busting. You see more clear when your pockets.
I can start to see every gushing. See how true your crew is. Never knew they was frontin'. And I bet a nigga told you that whatever you go through, we got your back to the end. When I came up on the deal, niggas that I never knew, out the blue, wanna come be my friend. Then the boy got dropped in the fridge, shit stopped in the flash. I was back on my own. With a strap on my lap and a stash in the back. It's a fact I was rapping them songs. Cat back to the rap, cause it's all that I got in the Midwest streets. Need my voice. I don't think another dude could do what I do, so it seems like I ain't got no choice. And the hoes gon' choose the dudes to come through, get them grooving and get that shit more. Niggas know that I've been running them hoes, they never loving them hoes. You be up running them hoes, I hear the bunch of them hoes and I'm gone. I'm screaming fuck the world.